We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Yes, One Heat Minute is going to be live at the 2018 Sydney Film Festival. Uh, guys, get along. If you're in Sydney on Saturday, June 9th at 7pm, we have a bumper live show for you. Garth Franklin from Dark Horizons, Luke Buckmaster from The Guardian, The Daily Review and a stack of places, Stu Coote from The Cinephiles and a very special surprise guest coming along. Treasury Room, Town Hall, 7pm, Sydney Film Festival. If you go to sff.org.au, you can check out all the details that you need to know. Um, But I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys a little later in the run. It is a big minute that we're doing live for the Sydney Film Festival. It is the beginning minute of the infamous, the iconic, the amazing conversation between Vincent Hanna and Neil McCauley, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Kate Manolini's Get On Board. This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me is... Someone I never actually thought I would get onto this podcast, and some by some random osmosis that we've discovered in our social media nexus, uh, she discovered that the One Heat Minute podcast existed. Her name is Ali McLean. She's like a game designer, a cosplayer, and it was funny. Ali reached out and said, "This cannot be actually possible that you have a podcast that solely talks about heat one minute at a time. It could not possibly exist." And what I was so happy to say was. Ali, yes, it does exist. It does exist, and I am the one who does it. And uh, and so, yeah, as you guys know, um, I love talking to new folks who love heat. And m- my favorite, I just have to just take a quick, a quick, brief uh, review of my DMs. My favorite part was Ali has been excited to join up on heat. We've been keen to chat to one another. And she said, I'm so excited about this i even told my dad and that really that actually made my whole week so ali mclean welcome to one heat minute oh thank you for having me and your dad is he a heat fan he's like he's not particularly a heat fan (laughs) he was here in my apartment which is where we are uh for lunch and we were talking about our weeks and like he was telling me what he was excited about (laughs) and i was like i am doing this podcast and he was like what is a podcast (laughs) but eventually it was probably not the best podcast to start. To oh, it's like not a good gateway drug. Entry no. to the world of podcasts, but this I feel like from this point on, he's going to be fine. Yeah, look, <laughs> if, if if you can explain a minute by minute undertaking, which yeah. is now going to be more than one minute per episode of Heat, then yeah, you it's he's good now. He's yeah, I fine. think his general takeaway was just like, oh yeah, Pacino. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, thanks, Ali's dad. Really appreciate it. Um, but so we're. You know, we're, we're, we're here, we're ready to discuss. This is the 56th minute of heat. Now, not the 56th episode. There are more episodes than there are minutes. So we are 
we're rolling in a really weird way, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. You've seen a couple of back-to-back episodes um, where I, uh, just for giggles, shits and giggles, and because I'm a madman, decided to do multiple minutes with different guests to see if we talked about different things, and they've been a blast. So thank you so much to Lisa Maloof and to Dan Barrett and to Stu Coote and to Luke Buckmaster for being a part of it. But Ali is here now. We're at the 55-minute mark on uh frozen right now on the original edition of heat right now i'm going to tell you guys because this one's going to go up in the next week or so um uh, uh, from uh, or, or around this episode um please if you're in sydney or you're around the sydney area look up for the american essentials film festival heat the 4k restored edition is going to be on the big screen at palace central and i'm going to be there and I'm probably, I'm going to convince Ali if, to get along if she would <laughs> like to come along. But I would just say you got to get along because if you, it's a rare opportunity to see heat on the big screen. So as you're listening to this, it should coincide perfectly with that. So jump online and grab a ticket. Um, I've never seen it on the big screen. That would actually be great. It is. I mean, I saw it. And what's so great about this podcast is that everyone, as I'm sure with you, it's like games or like your interests, anything everyone's constantly hitting you up in your mentions and oh saying God, yeah. and saying, have you seen this? Have you played? And so now I've been reminded about it 15 times, but that means <laughs> I've convinced now 15 more people to come to that same session and watch it with me on that there day. There was a period of time where people thought I was really into otters and every <laughs> single like Wait, funny... hold on, hold on, stop. It's not important why. <laughs> stop. Okay, yep, otters, and the animal, uh, right? Yeah, otters, the okay. animal. Yep. And every time there are a surprising number of like funny otter videos online and every time there was a new one or like an otter adjacent meme, I would be sent it. It would oh and that was back God. in the day when like Facebook timelines were a big thing and so like my timeline would just be flooded with the new fresh hot otter memes. Fresh off the otter <laughs> fresh off the otter press. Now well, that's otter the press, I don't like that term. The, oh no, that's not we cool. But the the amazing um Teresa Palmer. Oh, no, sorry. Um, sorry, the, no, not Teresa Palmer. I'm just thinking of the Aussie, Aussie actor. Tessa Thompson is obsessed with goats. Yes. So much like her feed where she's obsessed yes. with people finding goats that are posing the same way that she has and doing those things. So you, you are ahead of the curve. Well, you know what? Actually, I, I mentioned it in a Kotaku article that I wrote. They asked me to write this article about one of my experiences in cosplay. And I mentioned, you know, I think it was oh some kind of backwards metaphor about it. It's like when everyone <laughs> sends you pictures of otters, you know, <laughs> like that is. But um, when I posted that article, the community manager for the game Goat Simulator, do you remember that game? It was like really big for a while. You look, yeah, no, like you don't. No, puzzled, <laughs> puzzled. Um, well, there's a game called Goat Simulator where you play as a goat and it's kind of like this open world thing where you can go around and do anything. You can Grand like Theft Goat. Very similar, <laughs> yes. I would say that's probably the closest comparison, um, but like super dingy, low quality. Um, it, but it blew up. It was like this viral game. People were obsessed with it for a really long time and it was great. But when I shared this article where I mentioned the otter thing, the community manager for Goat Simulator was like, I am the only other person in the world who understands this feeling. Oh, my God. Because he gets every goat image that exists on the internet. Of course. It's not fun after a while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. One thing I'm going to say is I need every heat image on the internet. I'm happy with every heat image, with every heat article. Um, Let the floodgates open. Um, And look, if you really want to... And there's some, you know, there's some otter heat crossover that well, I don't know about, or Ali doesn't. I, I'm happy for those crossovers to happen as well. Heat recast entirely with otters. Oh dear God! Do with it. your following, this could <laughs> blow up. What have this, we done? With what have you done? <laughs> um, but yeah, so guys, we're 
it, it's so awesome to to you know this my favorite thing about this podcast is that i get to find new people who i didn't know love this movie um so i'm super excited to chat to ali but it's also really cool now because for the entirety of this sort of first hour we've been building and so much of payoffs and threads of stories and really sort of thrilling stuff is happening and we are right now we're in the thick of finally and actually like one of the rare scenes in the movie where all of the characters occupy the same space even if some people hiding behind a, a, a neon Chinese restaurant sign on <laughs> across the street. Um, but all of the characters are occupying the same space. It's getting really exciting. The cops finally have a lead, this lead that has jumped out of nowhere. And we're going to catch uh, what Al Pacino's Vincent Hanna called a convention of Neil McCauley's crew walking out. And we're going to hear... Um, uh, we're going to hear Wes Studi's uh, character, uh, Casals. He's going to sort of break down all of the different surveillance that we've had. Um, if you're looking at the original version of Heat right now, 55 minutes on the dial, watch along, listen along with Ali and I, and then come back and we're going to chat about it. The one with the blonde hair is Chris Shaharlis. SIS has got a revolving tail hung wire on the house front. Cerritos cruised the precious metals depository three times. Platinum, silver, and some bullion. Sammy and I think that's going to be their next score. Who's the loner? First time we're seeing him. We're not on him yet. Get on it. These guys walk out the door of whatever score they're going to take next. They're going to have the surprise of a lifetime. That's such a good minute. I've never so intently watched a minute of a film in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun experience, right? You've watched the whole movie today. You've, you've seen it in beautiful 4K. I did. I watched it this morning. I was. It's actually, it's been a while since I've seen the whole movie i think i've watched it in part because it's so long i've yeah, watched it, it in part here and there over the last few years it's, i think it's probably been like probably like seven or eight years since i've seen so the you whole properly said it's one of those ones too that when you catch it if you do catch it on like a you know your foxtels or if it's playing on free to air or your friends watching it you kind of stump you find yourself stumbling into it you're like oh cool i'll sit and watch and an at any point this. you can stumble into it and it's yeah, fine yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine totally fine but we're right I, there's a few minutes so far w that feel like it was designed for this podcast, and that minute yeah, it feels exactly like yeah. it's perfectly bookended. It just works in spades. Um, the beginning sort of starts in the middle of a conversation, but the end of the minute is like, "Yep, we knew that you were going to finish at the, the yeah, <laughs> this 56 Pacino minute." Turns to the camera and he's like, "What did you think?" <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Go on. <laughs> So tell me about your experience with Heat. You like it. You obviously thought that this was a weird podcast to begin with, but, you know, what do you think about the movie? You're a fan? Yeah. I mean, I first watched it, I'm trying to think of maybe the first time that I saw it, I think it was with a bunch of friends and it came up in conversation. It was one of those things of like, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. You're going to love this movie because I'm known amongst my friends for being a fan of De Niro in general and getting drunk and doing a bad De Niro impression oh, yeah, which good. I will not do Oh, there's only <laughs> tea on the table here at Ali's place guys so there will be no drunken uh, impressions yet 
but yeah, was, I remember the first time I watched it, just kind of being blown away by the scale of it and just the almost like Shakespearean drama of the whole thing. Yes. And um, and yeah, and it's just been one of those things. So on and off, it, it. I feel like this is one of those movies similar to. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of something that's a good comparison now, and I can't. Kind of like Forrest Gump, maybe something that. I seem to always watch at like important times in my life. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? So yeah. There, there are certain movies, like for example, just now, I'm leaving a, a, a job that I've loved and have been there for like a few years and I've got a week off and I'm about, about to start like a new chapter in my life. So of course I spend today sitting down yeah, and watching. Watching heat, yeah. <laughs> you need to know. You need to know if, that, that life matters if your obsessive professionalism is going to take you down one bad path <laughs> or a good one. Yes, but it's also like, some things are always good. Yes. You know? Like, this is one of those classic things that's always good. I be good. love that you say that because whether you're talking about games, whether you're talking about films, there are certain films, TV shows that are always good. Yeah. And every time you watch them, they get better. And it holds up. Like, it's always going to hold up. And I think even now, it's so much more important, like, in our streaming consciousness that when things are really good, that's why I kind of, it's like, I think that is maybe my drive for this podcast is that when something is so unfathomably good every single time you watch it and seems to cut through no matter, anytime you watch it, anytime you talk about it, it's like, that deserves to be talked about. Exactly. Because yeah. so much is, um, I heard a great quote on a on the Bill Simmons podcast. He's talking about one of his friends who goes, I'm sick of B plus TV shows. I'm just so done. Can you... I, I only want to hear if it's an A, if it's an A minus or an A or an A plus. All these B plus TV shows, I can't do them anymore because they just come in. I appreciate them for such an like a really transient amount of time, and then they're gone. Well, it's like it's a good and bad thing that there are so many platforms for people to create content now. Yes, it's a good thing because we're seeing stuff that would never have been made before. Okay. but also we're seeing a lot more stuff that feels more disposable yes. as well. Yeah. So like. Every second, like Amazon original series, I'm like, what? How does that exist? But it's there for someone, so that's great. <laughs> the twelve people, including Ali and I, that subscribe to Amazon Australia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, but that's why I think coming back to something like this that is so timeless and does hold up. I mean, I was what like three years old when this movie came. Oh out. my god, <laughs> three, Jesus. Wait, when did it? Was ninety five? Ninety five. I was two. <laughs> two years old wowza so I definitely didn't see it in theatres so this movie has always existed in my consciousness that was, uh, to be fair I was 10 I mean that's fine yeah we're not that it's not, there's not a huge gap no um, but it's it's one of those things that has always kind of existed in like the media scape that I've grown up in yeah so, so what's your favourite uh, what's your favourite De Niro performance then is like you're, you're a De Niro aficionado let's let's dive in there this is right now in this clip he's a connoisseur I think uh, that's a fun <laughs> way to put it like you love it you're a fan so you know in this clip what's so great is that he's you barely even catch a glimpse of his face. You just get a who's the loner in this clip. He sort yeah. of gets in. He sort of stumps and walks through his know him by his hairline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got the hairline. I, I feel like it, I, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I have I have IMDb up here in front of me because his, like, his body of work is so big. It's intimidating. That I, I it scares me to try and think. I'm like, probably Taxi Driver. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the, the cool answer, I feel like. That, that is the cool answer. <laughs> but you're okay... It, y you know, uh, the the deeply uncool answer is to be like, my favourite was Bad Grandpa. I've, <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen Bad Grandpa, but you know what? I actually do love that awful romantic... Well, I guess it's not a romantic comedy. No. It's that comedy they did with Anne Hathaway called The Intern. The Intern. Look, 
The intern is it, it hits you in this really deeply smulchy place, and if you're right, if you're in that, if you're in the pocket, oh, you're gonna love it. All right, let's so go. Embarrassed that I said that. Now. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> you're, the the real super cool. Ant- Look, you're not gonna snuggle up on the couch on a Sunday and watch Taxi Driver. <laughs> it's not that kind of movie. You do need to be in a certain frame of mind. You got to be in that headspace. Okay, so. Guys, we've watched the 55th, uh, sorry, 56th minute, which is 55 minutes, zero, zero, all the way up to 56. We are with Vincent and his crew. So we have Casals. Um, we have uh, a play by Wes Studi. We've got McKelty Williamson, um, who plays Drucker. And he's sort of, the, the, the guys, those two guys are Vincent's conscience here. And Vincent's sort of asking the questions, who are these guys? What have we got? They're talking about all the surveillance material. We've got, you know, we're tracking them in the wheel well of this car. We've got his house phone. We've got this phone. And this beautiful little oasis that has been this restaurant, this sort of manufactured, you know, happy, big, happy family with Neil at the end of this table is now sort of getting real because they've got them. They're on them. We're, we're tracking them. These guys know all of their jackets, their criminal histories. And it's such a cool scene because uh, for a number of reasons for me, but the, the one thing that I love is that... Um, we finally see that the cops are good at their job (laughs) uh, is, is the one thing that I really like about this scene. Um, I really like that, you know, Neil is always talking about the discipline of not letting your guard down. And this is a moment where the team is letting their, letting their hair down, letting their guard down. Um, and I also love what these guys watching on, uh, from, from this beautiful, super like Blade Runnery LA neon mm-hmm. sign, it gives just another little like flavor. Gotham-y. Like Very. they're up behind that neon sign. They're like they can't be seen by it. Yes, yeah. it's the, the whole blocking of the scene is very Batman. <laughs> yes, yeah. does appeal to me. And and the Dante Spinotti is doing such a great job. He's the cinematographer. He's doing such a great job of framing the cage so the cops are looking through these guys through the cage and the mm-hmm. shadows of the cage of this neon sign are all over their faces as we're looking. Yeah, at and it. as they pull focus between the characters and the cage that comes into focus on their faces like a mask it's awesome yes it's it's very it's very good this scene is um uh the what do you think about the families do you like the families what do you i mean you're uh, i'm so curious to talk i've been so lucky to have lots of you know ladies who are massive fans of this movie which is for a really muscular macho movie it's so refreshing to hear ladies actually dig it um you know unlike my wife who's been made to watch it as many times as she has um but it's cool to hear that you like it but what do you think of these ladies are these and these characters um that are that are part of this criminal family i think probably the first time i watched it i was not on my journey into understanding feminism in the same <laughs> way that i do now and so i think i always my like probably the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, she has really good hair." <laughs> um, and kind of seeing them as that's like okay. I still think Ashley Judd has great hair she in this has movie. Great Marilyn Monroe thing going on, yeah. which I'm a fan of. But um, but that said, on my rewatch today, I was pretty uncomfortable with most of the relationships in the film. Yeah, particularly De Niro, and I've forgotten the name of his girlfriend. Edie, Amy yeah. Brenneman. Yeah, not a fan of that relationship no. at all, and particularly the phone call that happens right before this minute, where he calls her up and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" She's <laughs> like, "No, <laughs> do not answer the phone." Is that is that that <laughs> this is a question that I ask because I actually genuinely fluctuate between what I think is. Do you think Neil in this moment, do you think that Neil was ever going to call her again? Mm, I don't know. Probably. Like, he was always going to have, like, 
in the trajectory of his character was always going to be surrounded by other people who are coupled up and like this is just a very human thing of he wants companionship right yes. he's probably like sensing the end of his run and everyone kind of wants to have that last love so i think that's that's probably was an inevitability in his life whether or not it was always going to be her she's kind of a disposable woman who was yeah. just, just happened to be in the right place at the right time and, and caught him off guard so i don't think it has anything to do with who she is as a person or as a character but as a woman you're like don't answer that like, phone do not <laughs> and also like don't let him off the hook when he's yeah. like oh i was busy it's like well then call someone else <laughs> like, god she's lonely she's got oh. big hair she's hiding <laughs> in this m- messy apartment oh i hate it i hate their relationship so much but yeah no um the families in general not a fan i think i enjoyed it the first time i watched it and then now coming back to it i'm like what are all of these women doing particularly the way that like they're not only controlled directly by their partners, but as part of this like larger machine, they're just these yeah. objects that serve to, blah. Anyway, not a fan. Not <laughs> a, and look, it's, I, I I totally understand. I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to try and educate you and go. No, they're good. They've got really <laughs> stable relationships. They seem healthy. The portrayals are smart. Um, I really like. There's two things I really like. And it's absolutely just my reading, so totally happy to chat about it. I really like that all of the women in this scene, not necessarily Edie, Edie's definitely the outlier, but I like that all the women in this scene seem complicit. As in, there is no... They're not there pretending that they work in construction or some random thing. She's like, did you know about this? And he's like, don't ask him where he got it. And it's like, ha, 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 we stole it. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone's so happy about it. I love that. I really like that, you know, it, it's it's kind of uh, something that, you know, really resonated with Sopranos and, and things like that. It became the, the, the real essay on it was like, mob families can absolutely be, they might not know all the granular detail, but they're complicit to a certain extent that they know mm-hmm. that their partners are in this life. They're in this yeah. business. They, And, you know, you know, Christopher in the Sopranos, you know, his partner was like, started to, blur the lines of that and there was problems and troubles and drama that was created out of it which is sensational but I, I think that that's one thing I really like about that and I I think Ashley Judd is the great outlier there which is like it's almost like Neil loves and needs Chris so much that he feels like his n- control needs mm-hmm. to go past him to his wife because yeah. she's uncontrollable that scene where he like smacks the coat hangers out yeah. i'm like no how dare you be mean to Ashley <laughs> she's had enough okay just let her do what she wants uh yeah i, I love that scene because it's like yeah i I, lo- I i love it because she she stands up she knows how to stand up to him and she also knows how to control him to a certain extent mm. and to like calm him down i do like in that scene where he says you're gonna like you're gonna give him another chance she doesn't say yes or no she just looks at him and that's yeah enough, and like that's like, enough <laughs> she will uh but yeah. it's so funny because she she knows how to drive she she's such a survivor and like y- the thing so don't get me wrong for folks who are listening if this is your first episode and you're listening one eight minute you know, thank you for listening. Um, but don't get me wrong. They're all unhealthy relationships. They all have elements of that, la- you know, and, and in particular, even the, the, the De Niro and Ashley Judd as Charlene Chihilis, uh, you know, Neil McCauley and Charlene, they're so fascinating to me because I love that he feels the need that he needs to control her. And I love that she stands up to him as much as she can, but she also is a survivor. So she's got the intuition to go, 
All right. I'm going to begrudgingly go along with your stupid charade. Mm -hmm. But I know that you are actually a man of your word so that if this dipstick does, you know, smash a glass and rage reverse out of my driveway again and I want to leave, mm -hmm. you will actually pay for me to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Or do you not think that? Do you not feel that? I, I, I definitely get that. I never thought about it in that way as far as her survival instincts kicking in because yeah. my instincts in that situation is how much longer can she remain in an abusive relationship until of that course. physical violence is directed at her? Of course. So like one last chance is often the story of and we never saw and her And we again. never saw, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, so that's my, my issue with most of that yeah. situation. Is, no, it's is how how do these women get out of this Deeply situation? tough. It's so tough, right? And these, you know what's amazing about her performance just for a background of folks who don't know is like, um, Amy Kinnan Mann, who's Michael Mann's daughter, was a second unit director on Heat, and in an amazing episode of, um, uh, if you if you if you don't already subscribe, you need to the Movie Crypt podcast. Um, uh, those guys, uh, Adam and, and particularly Joe Lynch, who's been a guest of the show, talked to her about her role in researching it. And every actor in this movie did research, and one of the great performers in this movie, Ashley Judd, did research about. Um, uh, with with wives of like long term hardened criminals mm. about their life and how they did it and, 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 you know, how they coped with these, like, crazy situations. And so it's really amazing about her in, in this role. She was like, these women, they do have, a, like, a really weird relationship with violence and, like, that, mm -hmm. you know, strange inclination to go back to these abusive situations. And, uh, yeah, it's just so fascinating. But, yeah, I, love, I, I actually think she's, unlike any member of Neil's crew, I think she's the most honest with him than any of the crew. The crew are all, like, deluded or whatever. Um, but, I, yeah, it, again, we get to see this little... And what's great about this scene, and I, I love that Ali has triggered me to it, is that we walk out, we see this happy crew. They're all happy at the restaurant once again. But let's just not forget that earlier on today, he was smashing around coat hangers, yeah. threatening second chances, and they're all just playing happy family. Mm -hmm. So it's this lovely facade that and we're all even seeing. Even, like, every shot of Ashley Judd in that scene where she's just always kind of looking away and, like, not directly engaging in that, the conversation That well. is great. I have never noticed that. It's very familiar behavior. So, yeah, she, uh, to hear that she had studied people who have actually lived in that situation makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh my god, that was good. That's good. <laughs> All right. So this this scene also, um, you know, I I I, ha I have to ask because you're a, um, a De Niro fan. Is is it always De Niro over Pacino in this movie for you? No, it's it's so hard to choose between them. Like I every time, I you feel I always feel like I know what I'm gonna get with Pacino, but then he surprises me every time. <laughs> like it, it, he always goes like twenty percent more intense than you expect him to in every scene in this movie. Yeah, or, or twenty, or sometimes 20% more reserved yes. than you expect yeah, him to go. Yeah. And it's nice. You go, ooh. Yeah. This, is mean, yeah. this is old school Pacino. For sure. He rolls in. Such a great, talk about a phenomenal and just eclectic um, team that he's got here. So it's just kind of like, just as you flow into the last minute, everyone's standing up. Uh, Michael T. Williamson, who is you know, Bubba from Forrest Gump. You mentioned Forrest Gump before. Ted Levine, who is the uh, the amazing Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Um, you've got Wes Studi, who was in Michael Mann's previous movie, uh, Last of the Mohicans, and famously the big, sort of semi-big bad, other than all the white people in Dances with Wolves. Um, uh, and, and this sort of great eclectic, uh, you know, ethnically eclectic uh, crew of L.A. cops. I think it looks, they look really good yeah. together. They look really L.A. They do. Like, like a nice mix of yeah. L.A. Uh, LA faces. For sure. And yeah, that was even one of the things that struck me re-watching it 
with sort of the full context of, of being like a, an adult now, yeah. <laughs> given that when I watched it, I was like a teenager, as well as just how many familiar faces there are in this movie. Like yeah. what an insanely all-star cast it is. It's, a, it, it, it's crazy. Yeah. You have to go about 40 deep before you stop res- recognizing names on IMDb. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, like, yeah, seen 20 movies. Oh yeah, yeah Oscar, Oscar, yeah. Oscar nomination. Yep. Yeah, okay, cool. You know. Oh, yeah, that guy's been in three best pictures. Yep, okay, cool. Keep moving, keep yeah, moving. Yeah, it's, r- it's ridiculous. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal cast, phenomenal look. You know what's fun is, um, you know, and I would imagine that, you know, especially someone like yourself a- a- and just the contemporary age, it's really interesting now um, holding films up to. So, like, I remember being at university and it was, like, the very beginnings of and it was maybe it was because I was in a crew of Gen Y people where you start to hold up movies, not only because of, uh, you know, old movies there, you're looking at, like, challenging their form, like going, oh, this just simply looks crap, um, to actually holding them up to, like, a moral, like, what is morally yeah. right or wrong about a portrayal of a movie? Like, mm-hmm. even from the 90s, we look back and go, is this wrong? You know, and I think that one of the things I do like about Heat, despite all these women having deeply troubled relationships, mm-hmm. I think it's all reflected in all of these guys being pretty troubled themselves. For it sure. seems like a pretty morally well, spot I think on, except maybe there's like one minute that's coming up where I was like, it was a little bit too far, a bridge too far, but mm-hmm. it's like, it seems pretty morally spot on as far as like uh, representation and portrayal, like, except for yeah. like... This is not Ocean's Eight, like let's not, the, you know, <laughs> or this new movie, the Three Three Five, or whatever, with Jessica Chastain and this all-star cast that she's put together, guys, like calm down. But I feel like morally, despite the fact that the, these guys are acting like, as you imagine a hardened criminal would act, not just like a, a normal dude. Yeah, I think as well. Like it all, a lot of it does make sense within the context of the world that they've created, and seems reasonable the fact that there are so many women with speaking roles who are allowed to have feelings <laughs> and express <laughs> them. <laughs> allowed so to. Yes, ma'am, you're allowed to have this feeling. <laughs> like yeah. That in itself is impressive. And then there's also, I mean, we get to explore the dynamics, not just of like romantic relationships, but of fatherhood and motherhood and all of that is, is woven into their characters as well, which is a lot, a much more interesting portrayal of masculinity than we would traditionally see in like a mob film. So yes. Yeah, I think that in itself is really interesting. I don't know if I would say 100% that heat is entirely non-problematic. Oh, no, it's problematic. Yeah, but... We can accept... But I also don't feel the need to apply that lens to the film when I watch it. No. So, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I... Trust me, us unpacking it minute by minute, we're going to find... <laughs> if, if there's any <laughs> format to find the problem, <laughs> you're going to find it. You're going to dig it. You're going to dig it up. Um, one thing I, that r- I register in these scenes um, and, and you know, it's definitely going to happen is I wonder, so Ashley Judd's so amazing in this portrayal and, you know, Ali pointed out that, and I'm going to have to go back and have a look at it again in the coming minutes, maybe directly after this show <laughs> is um, just the, some of the, uh, some of her behaviors and mannerisms and, and, and eye contact in the previous scene. But I look at, um, I look at Elaine, who's Tom Tom Sizemore's wife in the scene, and I'm always fascinated with um, what she's thinking when they exit, because she's very gregarious and fun, and Mm -hmm. she's very open. And I'm looking at her in a lot of these scenes now, and I'm like, does she ever know 
that the time is – that this this is not sustainable. Right, yeah. Because they're building this family and she, you know, she like keeps the steaks in the freezer, like so to speak. Last Days of Rome kind of vibe. Yes. She's just living it up. She's living it up, yeah. like, completely carefree. And, and I look at these scenes and I'm like, you can't – and, like, Treo's girlfriend feels like she's just, you know, she's a fly by night. She's not – She's not. She's here for a good time, not a long time. Unfortunately, that is actually the case in the movie. Uh, but you know, I just look at her and I'm like, "You've got a family. You've got these mm. steaks in the freezer." Last Days of Rome is perfect description of mm. I think how she's acting. What do you think? For sure, yeah, I would totally agree. I have never thought particularly about her character. I think because she does seem, um, well, in that way, she does seem kind of shallow. But then yeah. you think about her as a mother and and as a wife what must be going through her mind and it's probably just like well just <laughs> enjoy it while you can i guess yeah i guess right now money's coming in and yep there was a police officer shot but i guess we're good everything's fine Every- dinner was good dinner was good yeah. and uh you know i think that is also um going back to that idea of kind of if we're talking about studying the behaviors of women who exist in abusive relationships that's also a pretty common thing. It's like, well, yesterday was really bad, but you know, today he said he was sorry, and so it's fine, and everything's good, and like yeah. we had a good time. We you know we went on a nice date, and everything's fine now. That's a pretty common thing as well. So, yeah, police officer's dead, but the whole family was together, and we had a really <laughs> nice meal, and they're all going home. So, like, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I wonder, like, I think about. Because Sizemore, like, Sizemore crushes this movie. He, it's undoubtedly his best performance. Um, it's the one that, you know, if you're going to submit it to, you know, the American Museum or whatever <laughs> to say that this is his, his, his very best. Um, but I, I, I also love their dynamic from a perspective of, you know, Elaine looks after you. Like, she's... I love to think that there's a whole dimension. We don't really see it with the, all of the characters because we're so focused on Chris and Charlene in, in that mm. respect. But I love that like she's sort of got a bit of control. Mm. Like She's like, give me the money so that you don't waste it on yeah, bull yeah. crap. Go mm. steal me a diamond for the next dinner party. Yeah. But, but that's okay. So I, I just love that. Like, And then when, when Neil broaches the subject, like we've got to, you know, this is a big score. Do we do it? And he finally says that, you know, infamous line later on, which we'll, we'll unpack as we get there. You know, the action is the juice. Um, I just, I'm like, I always wonder, like, uh, maybe he's like a bit of a whipped guy, which is so strange for such a hyper aggressive dude. And maybe he's like, he sort of defers control to his wife with all things finance. So they do have a sort of normal relationship. I don't know. It's really, that, that's what, every time I watch again, I just wonder, I'm like, I start thinking about the gaps in the story or the... Yeah. What we're not seeing. What we're not seeing. What the backstory was that Michael Mann wrote in his head and had these guys memorize and imagine Mm. for these women, for these these families. I think that's, and I think, you know, that's sort of one of the, like, mob wife, like, archetypes as well. Yes. So, like, she keeps everything running, you know, to kind of wink and a nudge. Like, I think that's, it's pretty standard to have that, like, archetype in there. Yes. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, she gets a little... She gets a little moment. I think every every one of these great performers get a great little moment um, at the end of this movie. I'm especially just laughing at myself because I was going to make a reference and I held myself back and then I laughed at it and now I have to tell no, you. No, you have to do it. <laughs> Are you watching Riverdale? No. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, no, I've watched... I, I, I did watch like the first few episodes because everyone in my timeline was talking about it and I said, well, I have to watch this like show. It's not great, but 
I've watched every episode. And there is kind of, they do the Lodge family, like mob family thing. Yes. And like your Hermione Lodge is like the classic like mole. Like she's taking care of everything. Like everything everything goes through her. She's She controls all of the men in the family through like her feminine wiles and her business sense. And it's like that's, she's the perfect like over-exaggerated example of that archetype. And, 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 and now... The crossover between talking about heat and Riverdale <laughs> has finally happened. If anyone was going to do it, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, no, like, um, you know, you would know from games and, you know, great films and TV shows. I think archetypes are totally cool, but you've just got to, like, you've either got to lean right into them and try and do them as much justice or go as crazy and off the wall and extreme as, uh, say, Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think it's also a lot more fun when you allow those archetypes to be really ugly and, yes. like, really unattractive, whereas I think where Riverdale falls short is they try to make everything really shiny. They've got CW hot written all yeah, over them. Yeah, yeah, which is lame, but, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I want Riverdale, but, like, Fargo-style Riverdale. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, look, sp- sp- you know, speaking as a massive fan of that series... They pick such amazing and phenomenal eclectic performers to be there and to be as gruesome and ugly and full-on as you could possibly imagine. They're awesome. That's what we need. Okay, guys. Let's do it. We're (laughs) going to make it. (laughs) We're going to make it. We're going to go back to the drawing board with Riverdale and say, let's make this less Melrose Place and more Fargo, folks, please. God, what happened to Melbourne? What What don't they make shows like Melrose Place anymore? You would have to talk to the people that make those decisions. I know. Sorry. Seriously. I can't help you. Seriously. <laughs> um, that, that, that's, a, that's a guilty pleasure from way back. <laughs> so, right now, you're in this minute of heat. You're watching it. It's an hour in. You've just watched the movie. Do you ever remember a time watching this going, oh, they're going to catch these guys? Did you ever think that? No. I think it all it always it was always like this is ending in a bloodbath. Like that that is always yeah. how it feels from from the outset of the film. And I did like I so I'm actually not like a massive action movie person. I'm more like a sci fi drama thriller kind of person. And so it's these moments that I really relish in this movie, the like quiet, tense the the moments where it's like, I'm not sure whose side I'm on. I'm just like enjoying I have like these the wrestle, the yeah, arm wrestle, the arm wrestle, and that's that's what I love about. It. So I'm glad that we got we got one of those. No, not a hyper <laughs> hyper crazy action, but <laughs> I but I actually think that um, I think the more and more that we do this podcast, you're not alone because people relish. You know, it's so funny. Like I'm like, what's your favorite minute? And as much as people might think about the heists, mm-hmm. sometimes it just becomes these little in between moments, yeah. little conversations with a couple of people, like Ted Levine telling a dumb story about you know some guy who went to school with and his amazing voice and he starts flicking his fingers together. There's you know there weird moments that come uh, up. Well, there's when you have so many incredible performers as well <laughs> when you just let them do their thing. Yeah, do you think? It's great. Um, yeah, I I always try and just quickly imagine what it's like to watch this movie, maybe the first 10 times and get to this moment and wonder whether I think that they're going to be successful. Mm. And I, and I'm not sure if I ever thought it was going to end in a bloodbath, but I absolutely was like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if they're going to catch it. Like these guys are so good. They've fluked. They've absolutely fluked this. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if they're up to it Mm. yet, but Vincent seems very good. And so, 
that's what's great in the coming scenes. We yeah. we feel like it's going to get close. I think to me that just just all of the men in the film just have that kind of volatile like everything is going to explode <laughs> at any moment. So I think that's that's how always how I saw it. Even yeah, even rewatching it today, I was like, what happens again? <laughs> Oh, you can't, I can't forget. I can't, we can't, A, we, this is the one rule, like the one rule I talked to all of our guests before we start recording is we can go really anywhere, but the only area I cordoned off because I'm saving it is the end. Right. I can't talk about the end, but we can talk everywhere up to the <laughs> end um, and the bad decisions therein. Um, yeah, I'd, I, you know, I love, I love that, I love that finally, you know, it's so rare the 56 minutes into you know you know 56 into a 170 minute epic that in this little this couple of frames this minute for a second we feel like the cops have got them mm-hmm. but if you ever were going if, even if you looked at your ticket stub walking in and you're like this can't <laughs> be over yeah, no way. these guys are gonna there's something's gonna happen here something something more than what we've actually seen look guys uh uh, I want to take a quick moment to say thank you, Ali, so much for coming on to One Heat Minute. Oh, thanks for having me. And thank you for gabbing about it. And thank you for hopefully opening the otter and heat floodgates onto the podcast. <laughs> I'm looking forward Would to that. thoroughly enjoy it. Um, just hashtag One Heat Minute. Um, Ali, now you've just recently changed your handle, so I want to make sure I get this right. True. It is at Ali underscore... McLean, is that right? No, so it's Ali McLean Games. Ali McLean Games. I'm sorry, guys. So at Ali McLean Games, you can find most of her stuff. Anything that she's doing will be on the Twitters. Congratulations True. on the new gig. Thank you. And uh, and guys, I'm at Blake is Batman. If you want to find anything out about the podcast, it is oneheatminute.com. Um, thank you so much for being part of the show again, thank Ali. Thank you. Can I just quickly plug as well? So plug I'm away. actually starting my own podcast. Here we go. Uh, it's called Goodnight Seattle, uh, and we're going to be probably releasing our first episode within the next month or so. So if you're a podcast fan and you want to hear us, uh, me and Lee may give advice to people about their life problems and probably make <laughs> them much worse, then please feel free to tune into that. And guys, because of how we're recording this one hit minute, I'll make sure that I throw the link up to the podcast if it goes live um, on our thing, and we'll make sure that uh, we get that out there for you. I love the idea of a call-in podcast, by the way. Um, this podcast has sometimes been a call-in podcast from overseas with guests on <laughs> no life advice, just heat discussion, but I'm super excited about the life advice um, element of the podcast. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening once again and subscribing. Please rate, review, tell your friends. Um, thank you to Garth Franklin for our web design, Paul Davies for our theme as always, and thank you guys for being a part of the show and great guests like Ali for coming on. Thank you, Ali, so much. Thank you. And thank you, Ali's dad, for being moderately interested in learning about what a podcast is. Um, I've been Blake Howard. Um, this has been One Heat Minute. Catch us again uh, soon. We're twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays for Heat, and uh, see you next time.